Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of Medieval Britain. My name is Ross. I'm Craig. Time to put the kettle on because it's tea time. Hello, Craig. Hello. It's a, it's a nice change of decor you have there. Yeah, I've just travelled back 100 years um, where we open fire and stuff. Had to, uh, ah. had to temporarily leave where I normally am. Um, and uh, I found this beautiful setting instead, um, which is now getting excruciatingly hot. So let's start with Frymount. Let's do it. Um, I have a few pieces of news this time around. All right. Not a lot. So... Yeah, I'll try and get through them as quick as I can. Can we go first? Because uh, it's my talk today. Oh, yes. That's the show first. Um, so, first of all, I mentioned last week that we should be in a better position this week in regards to the coronavirus. Um, and uh, I checked earlier on today, and basically, the situation now is that the new cases have dropped down to basically where they were before the current lockdown started, so early December. They've gone all the peak and they're all the way back down again. And more importantly, the number of deaths have now gone over the top of that curve and are now about on average 10% lower than they were before. So mm. progress. So yeah, we are looking like we're getting to the end of this now. There I said. Um, my next bit of news is the, uh, a few weeks ago, we showed you the um, Boston Dynamics little dance show. Um, yeah. Spot in particular. Um, well, Spot has been demonstrating his little pincery thingy that he has. Uh, and he's been doing, he's been doing jobs around the house. He's been picking up uh, laundry and stuff on the floor and putting it away. Um, he's also been opening doors and things for people. Um, oh, and he also uh, stopped a nuclear reactor meltdown or something by turning a valve off so you know he's becoming a very useful little dog sort of thing that you might want to send into a into a dangerous zone so that you know because screw scott scott spot <laughs> uh let's not get any humans involved but uh, let's send the dog in and and uh, assess situation turn things off um yeah also put some guns on it and send it to the front lines that's yeah. that's definitely where it's going all that, yeah, maybe that's one. Uh, and also, did you see the um, SpaceX's Star uh, SN9 flight? Did you see? I didn't, but I think I heard about it, yes. I think it was yesterday, I think it did. Um, so uh, I watched the SN8, the SN number eight flight, uh, which was awesome because it went up and it um, got to, I can't remember how many miles it went up, but it went pretty high. And then um, it powered all the rockets down, the little sideways thingy. And then it did a, um, as it fell down, it turned the booster back on and, and, and launched itself back up that way. But SN9 did exactly the same okay. thing. It did exactly the same thing as, um, as SN8, uh, but it went up higher. But just watching that thing where it's coming down like this, just seeing it sort of fly, obviously, from your perspective, it just looks like it's doing that, but it's, it's kind of flying that way, mm. trying to get back to its base. And then when it turns a rock on, it just does like that. It's just awesome to see it happen in the middle of the sky. Unfortunately, it suffered the same fate as FN8. Uh, and um, whereas last time the pressure tank wasn't quite high enough, this time 
it, the, one of the engines didn't refire and basically it went <laughs> and blew up, um, which is nice, but it actually blew up right next to SN number 10, which was already out. So if, you know, if it, if it hadn't got back to its exact landing point, it would have taken it out as well. Love it. Watching rockets blow up. It's just brilliant, isn't it? But we're there. Anyway, so um, those were my three items of news to get started. Um, what have we got? Cool. Um, yeah, I don't have exploding rockets. However, I do have a, a neural network inspired by a tiny little worm. So this is MIT's new liquid neural network. And it effectively learns on the job. So this is what they propose, is how self-driving cars and all these real quick decision AIs would use is a self-learning liquid neural network. So it kind of adjusts its own algorithms hmm. the more data it learns. Well, I've not, when you say liquid, as hmm. in, is it liquid in the sense that it, it moves and it evolves, or is it liquid in you actually using liquid somehow? Oh, no, it's, it's liquid in the sense it, it evolves. Right. So okay. someone someone's written the base operation algorithms, and it itself can change those base operations should it learn better data. It learning. can make itself better, more efficient. Exactly. Gotcha. So type of thing perhaps you'd want to make in decisions in a self-driving car, something that needs to do a split second and something that can learn as it goes. So the proposed things are, yeah, self-driving cars, uh, medical diagnosis, those type of things. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's purported to be the future of robot control, uh, natural language processing, individual processing, any series of data processing, really, just, just the fact they can learn yeah, I don't, a lot quicker. I don't know if you know how they used to do this. They used to use a combination of neural network and um, genetic learning, what it was called. Basically, you would create the neural network and then it would it would populate itself or duplicate itself a thousand times. Mm. It would give itself the task to do, and then each new generation, it would uh, take the best ones and then modify it from there. And that's how it would do it. So that's how it learned. So they've obviously worked out a way of doing that without having to use the generations, just self-contained learning within itself. Yeah, I mean, it may still be doing that process of evolution. Uh, not really sure. But um, but yeah, it's, it's doing it on the fly and it's changing its base algorithms. Perhaps, yeah, with those standard evolution metrics, you'd say uh, pick up fruit equals one don't pick up fruit or die zero. So it's a simple mathematical calculation going back and forth. Whereas it could potentially learn other things are also a one, other things are also a zero. Those type of cool metrics. Hmm. Uh, that well, perhaps... The way I think it works is it basically would, because um, obviously you've got like mutation. So you could you could have a thousand hmm. copies of the same neural network with slight, ever so slight things. And then it, they would all do the same task. And then whichever one got, did the best, they would dump off the, 999 that didn't do very well and then it would mutate the one that left over and repeat the process and that's why there were generations of neural networks but anyway mm. relevant they've solved that problem they've made it better seemingly so so they're no longer modeled on humans they're now modeled on worms because they're just seemingly better um a nice piece of news for the ev market in the uk that the uk has installed its four thousandth ev rapid charger so we're still a way behind places like um, 
the Netherlands, for example. No, but really. we are catching up. <laughs> uh, I think for the fun. funding as well, haven't they? So that they're extending the funding up to eight thousand. Um, uh, there's like nine million in spent or something. Okay, yeah, I didn't see that, but yeah, that sounds good. Either way, more the merrier. Since the market, as we know, is going to keep on going up, so these charges need to be there when it does. Yeah, so that family uh, that we reported on the other week that couldn't get a charger. Those people. Basically. Yes. Uh, my next piece of news is just a bit of a. Uh, this happened. So uh, Jeff Bezos has resigned as the chief executive of Amazon. Yes. So it was it was a surprise, but I think for for his sake, I mean, he just proceeded over Amazon's biggest quarter ever with a hundred billion in sales, thanks largely due to the pandemic being the only supplier selling, you know, non-essential things. Yeah. Um, so they absolutely smashed their targets. Uh, Bezos will still sit um, as the company chair, so he'll still be in the company. Obviously, he has significant shares. Um, but yeah, he's going to hand the reins to his understudy, who he's been grooming for some time, Andy Jassy, who is the chief executive of the web services side. Um, and AWS is uh, purported to be, I think, I think there was 51% of all profits on Amazon. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. That is that successful. Yeah. So it seems like a really cool guy to take the lead since, um, yeah, he's done really well on AWS. See what he can do for the rest he's of the company. Late 90s or something. So he's been there a while. Um, yeah. 94. I've, I've heard two sort of uh, ideas. One is that um, uh, they're peaking right now. And actually, to some extent, he kind of said that in um, his uh, interview. He said, like, that they're as innovative as, they're, as they've ever been. But you could also read that, like, we can't get any more innovative than we are now. So um, one person that looked at it is like, well, you just had the best year ever. Um, inevitably, there's going to be a couple of years now where it doesn't go as well. Um, and, and potentially Jeff Bezos can't be bothered to be going. So, you know, your share price has been going down for the last two years. Uh, you would just be like, no, thank you. I, I've already lived through one financial crisis. Can't be asked to do that again. Um, I'll step out and play some more fun stuff and compete with Elon. I'm trying to get my oh. space. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's been suggested. That's what he's looking to do is uh, focus more on his other ideas, other inventions. But yeah, he has said that Amazon is grown primarily on its inventions. And he hopes to see it continue. And Andy Jassy will be the person to take that forward. So yeah, it's interesting to see how that changes. Hopefully, Amazon will start accepting Bitcoin. We can only hope. That'll be nice. And my final piece of news is the Elon Musk reveals the monkey with a little mind control chip playing video games. And he reports it's very happy. <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't know how you test how happy it is. Maybe it just really enjoys the game it's playing. Like, I don't know. What's, what's it playing? Well, they were, they were trying to get Crash, Crash Bandicoot. I think it's just ping pong. I think <laughs> it's ping pong. I don't think there's anything particularly amazing. Oh, I mean, if you just strap a PS2 on him, that's kind of what you want. But uh, the cool thing is he successfully tested that brain chip and we did report back on this, I think it must have been September, where we watched the announcement event of this 
uh, where they kind of had a couple of pigs just chatting back and forth. It didn't really look too impressive, and I think we were kind of disappointed. Mm -hmm. So I would like to see this monkey, personally. I would like to see it doing this thing. Oh, yeah, monkey. But, yes. Either way, uh, playing games via link up is amazing. I want to see it happen. Uh, and to help understand how it does happen, over to you, Ross. Yes, thank you, Craig, for your geniusly invented link. Um, uh, <laughs> link, not any old link, but Neuralink, uh, which is today's topic. Um, that and a bit of a few other extended things to that. So um, what I wanted to go through first, um, uh, so yeah, before we go into Neuralink, I want to uh, go over not so much the history, but sort of set the scene of, of where some of the of the progresses we've already made. Um, so we all know our human brain is pretty impressive. 100 billion neurons all linked together in different clusters that control different things. Um, but you can think of the human brain as a general purpose computer. Um, it doesn't have uh, a goal in mind when it sort of starts, if you see me. Um, so we are 100 billion neurons are like tiny little files all designed to store or do certain things and they are grouped into different collections and then we link those together by whether or not they are uh, related. Um, but so instead of it being a computer that has code, millions of lines of code, it just has all these different connections to a neuron that can store an image or a letter or a word, a smell, a sound, a concept, whatever. Um, uh, when you run the computer, those files slowly rearrange themselves into that sort of um, whether these are relevant to this or whether those are relevant to that. And they evolve when they do that by strengthening or weakening the synapses that connects between the two. Um, mm. so, um, so that's why stuff like if you smell oranges, that might remind you of a of a time that you played in a football match, and um, because you had oranges at half time, and you know you might remember how your leg hurt that day, or how cold it was, or how noisy it was, or that that sort of thing. That they, once a neuron fires, it fires all the other ones nearby, and that one can help. That's how you end up linking things together and remembering stuff. Um, so the way that your brain gets its inputs um, is by the things that are plugged into it. So as humans, we have two cameras, a smelling device, a tasting device, two speakerphone thingies, um, and a whole mass of sensory pad, which is wrapped around us. Uh, and all of those things feed in inputs into our brain and are as different things, whether it's light or vibration or pressure or temperature, whatever, it can it feeds all that into our body. Um, and then our brain uses the neurons, adapts them to where they're arranged to take that data and make it into meaning something. So if you think about how, our, how we see, like I was, if you, if you if you look, you feel like you're making sense of the world. But if you actually think about what's actually actually happening in your brain, your cameras are just taking in light, and then mm. you're translating that into this 
thing that we perceive to be vision. But at the end of the day, you could take the eyes away, you could take all the other things away and then plug other things in and it would still work, but potentially just in a different way. And that sort of, when you think about that, it becomes sort of slightly, well, this is mind boggling as to what is then the potential. Because what if you change the input? What if you remove something? Um, so uh, we've probably all heard of that idea that people um, who are blind have extremely very sensitive hearing. Like people think, uh, is their hearing actually better than someone who's blind? Um, or maybe you've ever done one of those um, listening walks through nature where you're supposed to close your eyes and just sort of listen to the sounds around you and then all of a sudden you realize that you can see, you can try to hear more, uh, pick up on things. And so it's, it's not that our, their ears are better or that all of a sudden your ears work better and your eyes close. It's just that your brain's got a lot of process. And if you take away one of the inputs, then the other inputs can be are more aware. There's more processing power for it. And also, if you're blind from like early on, not only do you have more sensory power for it, but over time you tune it. So you're, you will actually then end up having better hearing because you can detect noises that other people would perhaps not have been tuned into because you have more time to for your body to go, wait a second, that's different to that. Um, so that's just the power of the, of the human brain. Um, so um, then there's the skin, um, our canvas for tattoos. Um, as you may have noticed, if you ever had a tattoo, you've got a tattoo, Craig? I haven't. I haven't got one either. Um, but so I'm told, uh, depending on which way you decide to put your tattoo, it, you know, there's different levels of pain. And that's obviously because mm. your skin in that particular area has a lot more nerves than somewhere else. So, um, so if you think of it as like that, you've got, we've got a, a pad of skin where certain parts of the, of the body will have more, will be much more sensitive than other parts. So like stuff like our oh, fingertips are very sensitive, our tongue's very sensitive, our lips are very sensitive, things like that. Um, so because of this sensibility, sensitivity, sorry, and your brain's ability to interpret, you can theoretically add to your skin and over time your brain will learn to interpret what the touch pressure or the temperature actually means. So, and if there's, a, if there's a way of getting immediate feedback into a feedback loop, the brain is then capable of manifesting that interpretation in its own way. So for example, um, you could put a touch sensitive panel onto your forehead, put something there. And then um, if you're blind um, and you put a camera attached to that. So let's say you're wearing your hat or something. And then so on your forehead where it's just, you know, relatively sensitive, you could put a camera, feed that data directly to that, to your forehead. So your brain would then be receiving this sort of tingling sensation of thingy on, on the forehead. And then over time it would learn to, to see um, by that, that feeling that you're, they're getting on their head. Um, and it, because there's that instant feedback loop of going, right, well, if I walk up to a door, I can feel it, I can touch it, I, I know it's there, then it's telling your brain when it's correct and when it's not. It's the feedback loop. So you can learn, you can learn pretty quickly. And you know, obviously, so you, can use, cool. you can use the forehead, you can use basically any part of the body that you want to, which is pretty cool. 
Um, yes. <laughs> so theoretically, you could use any any part of the skin and put in whatever data you like. So there was a there was a TED talk once where um, this guy was uh, getting the data set, which was the he found out everyone's um, in the audience. He found out who they were and what their Twitter account was, um, and he basically had some thing processing the sentiment that was coming out of their tweets. So if they were like, you know, it was a positive tweet, then he would feel that as a positive tweet. And if it was a, this is rubbish, then he'd feel that as a negative tweet. So he could literally, and he, and he put that data onto a vest, which he was wearing under his stuff, uh, down his back. So literally through his back, he could feel the love from the audience or the disgust. Um, and that's what, that was, that was how he did it. Um, so then you can go, well, yeah. if you can do that, uh, what else can you do? So I personally, I, I kind of, it's weird, but I, I kind of love the concept. So if you can feed any data in, um, you know, what, what would you, what would you use that for? So you could, you could track your, um, like if you knew where your friends were, let's say you, you had, um, I don't know why, why your friends would agree to this, but if you had UPS coordinates whatever of your friends and you had some a computer processing that and then you could you could have it so that there's something over your shoulders which told you when they're close or when they're nearby so like if you were out socially and you were trying to like find your friends whatever you would you'd know that they're over there somewhere because you can you can feel them on, on on your left shoulder and if like you know if they try and come up behind you they're um spooky you'd be like you'd know because you'd feel it right in the back of your neck um so that's one, one, one idea you can have. Um, you could also, um, uh, what else did I write down as an example? Um, oh yeah, like the ability to sense magnetic magnetic waves. Like if you could, mm. um, if you had some some computer that was around you that could pick up um, magnetism or whatever, and then you could like put like things on your hands or whatever, and you could literally go like that, or you could like even use it as a, you know when, you, when it's dark and you can't see, and your your natural instinct is to kind of go like where is everything but like imagine if you had something there on your hand and then you literally you actually could just go and you would see whatever you like because you've got some sort of like proximity radar thing going on in your hands so you could, you could do that theoretically there would be nothing to stop you because you just basically when it's when you're near something you would just do that and when you're not near anything it would just be something it's a relatively simple concept of how you would do it um, There's a guy who has done that. He's uh, he put neodymium magnets in his in his thing, and he can actually interact with things, and it's kind of moving under his skin, so he gets okay. used to that feeling. So it's a it's a beat tech approach, but yeah, it's a very physical a similar job. Okay, right. Um, not sure I like that one. Uh, I put so I put the idea of it connecting to a computer and doing that rather than actually putting something in. Do it properly. You could just. It could just stick to your hand. It wouldn't have to be anything that's actually in the skin necessarily. Um, yeah. uh, and because we keep talking about investing, another one you could do, for example, is I could monitor test my Tesla stock, uh, and I could wear like a, a belt or something around me. And then if if the stock price dropped heavily, it could like give me a pain in the stomach. And then I, I I could be out, you know, doing my shopping or whatever, and then suddenly get a pain in my stomach and go, oh god, Tesla's going. Oh no! Oh no! And then I'd be bent over in the shop, going, "I need to sell." <laughs> <laughs> Is that a, a gut feeling? Exactly. That's why I'm at the stomach. But um, uh, but yes, you could 
in theory, you could do that because you know you can't watch stock market all day. It takes time to sit there and actually just stare at a screen all day. Yes, you can get alerts, but how cool would it be if you could actually feel at any given moment whether things are going well or badly or whatever whatever context you want it to be? Um, yes. And obviously that one potentially you could change. Like today I'm watching Tesla, but tomorrow I'm watching, you know, Virgin Galactic or something, and then you know it'd be interchangeable. It'd still feel the same. You still go, oh no. Something bad's happening at home. I'm losing money. <laughs> cool. Um, so uh, yes. Do you? Uh, so have you got any? Is there anything that you would do if you if you could? Is because we've talked about it before. Do you, is there anything you know you would do? I couldn't really think of any definite things I would love to do. Besides, I mean, like you know, there's cool stuff like sensing Wi-Fi. That's quite useful. Like I have internet issues in my office that it would be nice to know where things are stronger. So that'd be quite a cool little sense, just a little boost. But um, thermal vision too, that'd be quite interesting to see like thermal radiation in some sort of way, whether you feel it or not from a distance. But for me, the things to improve would be the bugs in the brain. Oh, your fire's going out. Well, don't worry, I'll, I'll fix it. I'll chuck some. It's just a bit spot, bit high. That's the problem. It can't. Ah. Yeah, but anyway, don't you worry about it. Carry on. Cool. So things I would like to fix are the bugs in the brain. So stuff like correcting the circadian rhythm after a long flight, or you know, a feeling of thirst and hunger. You kind of get those like thirst. You're already dehydrated when you feel thirsty, and the hunger happens all the time because our silly ape brains are fifty thousand years out of date, and they. Just tell you to eat, eat, eat. Why aren't you eating? So just okay. fixing those. I mean, that sounds like bugs. yeah, that's a different thing. We're not talking about. I want, I want a sense that you can add, but okay. Yeah, so I, I give a couple of senses: sensory Wi-Fi, thermal vision. But ultimately, ultimately, what I want to do is turn off some senses rather than add. Yes, but they're they're internal to the brain as opposed to. Um, um, yes. Hello. Oof, back up. That went last time, a couple of burnouts. Anyways. Um, right, where was I? Okay, so we've covered input to the brain, um, but obviously input is only half the problem. What about hmm. output? And that is where Neuralink comes in. So uh, what they're trying to do is create a um, wires, basically thinner than, than, than human hair. Um, and they're trying to wire it directly into the neurons in your brain. Um, so when the neurons are then activated by some synapses, the thought process that you've had, um, it will pass an electrical signal. It's trying to detect that electrical signal and then um, beam it somewhere else so that we can then view it, see what it looks like. Um, so as I mentioned before, with two related things, we'll have a strong synapsis. Um, so that will give us a, a, a clear indication of whether, um, you know, that's important. So if you get like a lot of activity in certain, you can, you can determine from that, if you know what the input was, like you said, right, to the person doing it, think of a bus. And then you can see which neurons light up because it's related to things to do with the bus, then you can obviously pick that up and then you can slowly learn from that what the person is thinking about. Hmm. Um, but equally, obviously, if you saw a train or something, then you would not expect 
the thought in your brain for frog spawn to activate. Because the two aren't related. Unless, of course, you're the sort of person that takes frog spawn on the train, but presumably you're not. Um, so, um, if New Inc. were able to distinguish between when you're thinking of one thing or another, like let, just the most basic example, on or off, then you know you can then imagine it going right. Well, what room are you in? If you're saying, thinking on and off, and I know that that's what you're doing, I can determine from that that you're probably wanting the light to be turned on or the kettle to be turned on or whatever it is. Even um, so, even if it's just a even if it's just a binary thing. Obviously, as it gets more advanced, it will be able to take from that more complicated um, thoughts, essentially, you know, left or right, or, you know, if you're trying to, I mean, I, the idea of driving with my mind feels like it's a bit scary, but, you know, that idea, mm -hmm. determining one thing over something else. So, so far we've seen Neuralink demonstrate, as you mentioned, a, um, a chip wired into the brain of a pig. Um, uh, so, um, you can use that to, Represent what the pig is detecting through its nose. So basically, as the as the pig was running, rummaging around, eating stuff and smelling stuff, we were hearing beeps um, to represent that sort of thing. So, to some degree, within those beeps are telling us any information, like you know, what does it smell like, or what is it as far as the pig is concerned? If, it, if the pig recognizes it, is it something that it likes or doesn't like? All those, all that information is hidden within those beeps. Um, so. If you can do that, then it's not a huge mental leap to think that um, you know we could then take the, the pattern that we're seeing and then be able to put it up on a on a on a display that oh they're currently smelling poo or they're currently smelling hay whatever um, because once you've got once you know what it is you can then translate that out and then show it elsewhere. So if you can do that, then what else can you do? So um, in China, pigs were used, um, they were monitored, and then if they started acting weird, it was a sign that there might be a, um, an earthquake coming, or due very soon. Um, have you ever heard about that one? I haven't, that sounds pretty cool. Um, it's just something that they noticed that, look, you know, one day the pigs were acting really weird, and then like the next day there was an earthquake, and that had happened like multiple times, and so now they've determined that pigs somehow can detect very subtle, um, Vibrations, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've heard of animals sensitive, but not necessarily pigs. Pigs are very, pigs are very clever. Um, See, really so. Uh, they can do all sorts of things. Uh, they can surf. Um, anyway, but yeah, so if you can do that, then you know you can have you can literally get the pig to activate. You know, if you've got ten pigs in a, in a farm. They all start thinking, all start making earthquake. Uh, then you can go right. Well, it's official. There's definitely going to be an earthquake, and then you've got an early response um, thing there, which would be rather useful. One would assume. Um, right. So, and then obviously, if you can do pigs, then we can do potentially dogs are man's best friend, um, and then you've got potentially more uses like trying to find people who are in an avalanche or in a broken building or whatever. Um, and rather than the dog just being trained, just go, you know, woof, um, we would be able to know what they were thinking. So we could then determine the difference between I found someone and <laughs> I 
oh, food, um, or you know, whatever. You'd be able to, in theory, you could have your dog have a collar like an up, and you would at least be able to then determine, you know, food, 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 cat, cat, whatever. Not that you'd want to do that because that would be annoying. So we, so we think we're, we're thinking that dogs could talk with this. Well, in theory, if you can, if you can put, if you can put it in their brain, you can determine certain things. And, you know, and detect what that is, then in theory, yes, you could get a dog to talk, albeit maybe only a choice of five. Oh. Yeah. I, the, food, the, the food is so exciting. Like, terrifying. That'd be amazing. Terrifying. Um, but I imagine it'd just be the same way, wouldn't it? Walk, 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 walk. I don't suppose they're having a thought. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, you'd have to have some sort of repeated pattern filtering. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Don't say the same thing more than once a room in it. Um, right, so, but who's inventing this stuff? Who's who's working on Neuralink? Who does Neuralink owned by, you've already mentioned his name, is of course Elon Musk again. Uh, same guy who's trying to take us mm. to Mars and everything else. So he's famously warned, he's actually not, a, he's, a, he's concerned of general purpose AI being a threat to human existence. Um, so, it sounds weird, but his answer to that problem was to create um, um, open AI. So the theory is that if, if we gave, give a general AI power or responsibility or anything like that, then basically, inevitably, something will go wrong. And if it decides to turn evil, like it does in, you know, like Terminator, Skynet type thing, we're screwed. There's nothing we can do about it. Fight it. It's far superior to us. Um, and we're we're dead basically so as soon as we can't beat the thing and we already know that if it gets beyond us we won't be able to beat the thing then we would need to at least upgrade ourselves to the same level as it so that we could fight back and that's kind of part of the reason why open ai exists and kind of why neuralink exists because neuralink would then give us the access to to be effectively a a a threat to the ai and be able to fight back. So whether you agree with that or not, um, that's the kind of reason behind it, I believe. Um, now, as you've already told everyone, he uh, he brought the news um, yesterday, or was it, maybe, was it yesterday before, about the monkey uh, playing games. The key part from that is it's, he's um, it's transmitting wirelessly, um, which is the ah. thing. So little chip in his head, can't see it. You have no idea it's there, um, but that's it's able to set whatever it's working out from the signals it's picking up. It's able to transmit that information wirelessly to a, a device. So he's just sitting there looking at the screen or whatever, and it's moving around. The fact that you can do that means that you've now got a situation where you've got inputs which we can modify, add. I mean, removing is requires surgery or being born that way, but you can. You can add things and then you can also change the output. Now, that to me is like mind blowing to the possibilities of that. Because if I can now, yes. if I can now add a sensor to my skin or whatever, um, that I can detect something and then I can then decide to do something with it, then, like, well, I mean, you can detect 
Well, what could you do? I don't I can't even think that there's, there's like, there's probably so many. I mean, with Dick, I'm trying to think of like a, you, I feel like you could become Iron Man at that point because you'd be able to sort of like go, okay, there's a, you know, there's a problem over there or, you know, I can, someone's screaming in that direction. So um, I'll now think and then, you know, the boosters will come out of my feet or whatever. I won't have to actually say anything or do anything. I could just think it and then it would happen. Um, yeah, uh, mind blowing stuff. Um, scary too, but you know, whatever. It really is. Um, obviously, that's not the intention. <sighs> yeah. The intention of the technology is actually to sort of help people who are disabled or um, uh, for some reason yeah. can't enough to give them a slight, uh, high quality life or enable them to be more autonomous at home and do their own stuff, but um, like, you know, getting up and down stairs, things like that. Um, but the once you've got input and output handled, yeah. Go and design yourself a superhero, and then that—that's then possible. And on that complete bombshell, that was that is that is really my topic for the day. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It's it's exciting, but also scary. Um, I, I think from September, I think Elon himself said this is five to ten years away, perhaps, and it would would be in the hands of people with disabilities first yeah so the whole idea of like you know phantom limbs where they have replaced arms you know, they can then start feeling those arms um which i believe they can to a certain degree now already but to a much better degree mm-hmm. and the ideas of yeah people who can't see like for example that there's there's a condition called blind sight which is um there's uh, an error in the brain that prevents them seeing but the eyes were perfectly fine Oh, right. So it's the idea then of reconnecting the brains or re-encoding what the eyes see in a different way to bypass the broken circuitry in the brain. So yeah. then they effectively could see again. So stuff like that, you know, is very fixable for this type of technology, which is amazing. But that's interesting itself because you'd think that the brain would, that would suggest to me that the input is going through and then it's the, for some reason it, it can't pass through to the next bit. So like it's the brain's not aware that it's broken the connection. Um, because I think if it was just like a, some dead cells or whatever, it would just reroute to somewhere else. Um, but it must be like it doesn't it doesn't know that it's getting through, not getting through, sorry. Well, apparently the experiments on blind sight is not all of it's getting through. So someone who is blind sighted, um, they can still sense presence and they can still detect light and dark. Not, not everyone, but some. Right. So it's a, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, we don't actually know the reasons, but it's a brain damage issue. I also wonder whether if you were to feed through, let's say, electromagnetism or something, um, like, mm. I don't know how you do that exactly, but if you were able to feed that through to the brain, would it, like, somehow, could it even change our sight? Like, depending on how the data was presented, could it make us feel like, like our whole vision goes red or something if we detect it, or is that even plausible? I don't know because I, I can't quite, put. I can't quite get my head around how what we believe that we see is just light coming through to our eyes, and it's our brain's interpretation of what we see that we see. If you see what I mean. Well, a, yeah, not not to get we're not seeing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Our brain is giving us the impression of seeing. Uh, and therefore, if you can change the input, then could, would the brain just go, oh, well, that 
that belongs over here. So I'm going to put that into the visual stuff and I'm going to give you something that will do that. I don't know. It's weird. Because at that point, you could yeah. what you see. That's, just, that's messed up. I mean, exactly. I think that's 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 the mad concept of it. And I, I can't remember who said it, but the idea of the brain is just a four-pound, slightly salted lump of bacon that's sitting in a vat, hallucinating everything we know. <laughs> and that that's as far as we know, it's completely true. Yeah, you know, we could be sat in a glass jar, but as far as we know, yeah. like there's no actual evidence outside of the brain. Yeah. There's no way it can disprove itself. So. But it's In like, case, I mean, yeah, it's seriously censored as well. So, like, um, you know, what's gonna happen. Um, uh, like, so, like, you probably haven't got this problem, Craig, because you know, you don't have hair, but um, like, if I touch the end of my hair, like, there's there are no nerve sensors in the hair itself, and yet I feel like I'm touching <laughs> that half of my hair, like, that's how sensitive it is. I could touch it there, I could touch it there. In theory, I'm not touching anything different, but yet I feel like. I know that I'm touching that part of my body, even though it's not connected to any brain. It's part that it's not. It's not um, the follicle is connected to. That's the way the nerve is up here, not there. Um, that's how sensitive. Yeah. It is. So when you think about that, and you think of just how subtle differences, just one movement there can make me feel it here, here, and here, and somehow my brain tells me, "Oh, that's the bottom of my, of my hair." Then if you can do that, then like, and you know, you're, we already know our fingers are super sensitive. It's like you could put a, a different sense on each finger or something. Yeah. You're walking around and you could just feel something. Oh, my, you know, my little, that little finger's going. Oh, dear. <laughs> the wife's home. No, um, uh, I don't know. Well, I can't, I can't never think of one. No, no, but um, yeah, there's, there's so many potential things that you could feed through to your body. But it's I mean, the, the inputs. Yeah. It's the feedback like, that you need. Go with these like smart doors and stuff. So the inputs are there. I mean, when someone's at the door, you can just feel it. No more bells, no more noise. Just feel it. Yeah. And the idea of to be able to play music in your brain, I think that was also suggested by Elon. And just have music playing in your brain. There's this oh, see. It's there. <laughs> just it's just creating the auditory experience and you know it's perfect quality because it's just played through. There's no, there's no problem in a sense. Yeah, but yeah, again, you could just walk walk up to someone. You don't see headphones. I'm like, you're just talking to them. Oh, oh, sorry. I, I know you gone. Oh, okay. But it, it feels like if you were to add like a, a different set for something else, and you added it near the ear or something, mm. that in itself well, might be enough to connect it to the same neurons in your brain that deals with sound, and then. Yeah. Even though you didn't actually play a sound, it feels like you could put a sensor somewhere else and we might still hear it as sound just because it decided to do that. Yeah, those are the bone conducting headphones, the ones who just they vibrate under the, the bone and the ear itself vibrates. Right. right. So there's no actual physical sound, it's just the vibrates that uh, the inner eardrum. Exactly. But yeah, so that's anything that touches our skin would, would do the same thing, but it'd be like, yeah, you could, you might see it as like, a visual thing or you might see it as a you might feel the music or, I, I don't know there's all sorts of potential mm. weird things that can happen but I yeah I, I like the idea of having different senses for different things but it's the feedback loop you need to have in order for it to be a, uh, a very subtle and 
Um, yeah. Have all that information. You need to have the ability to know, not just feel it, but to um, be able to detect it, and and it has to interact with your other senses. Like the sight one only works if you you know if you walk into something, you've got that immediate feedback, and that's how you can kind of pick out the subtleties of it. Um, or when you've got people who um, uh, blind and they read with their hands, the fact that this so it's so they can just do you know do that skim reading thing, they can only do that because of the very tiny little details in their fingers. Yeah. So. But yeah, so there you go. That's the app for the week. Go and find yourself a weird data set. Bring it forward. Check in the comments below. That'd be nice to get a comment. Um, uh, coming up with what sense of data you would like to be able to feed through into your body at all times. All times, yeah. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. But uh, yeah. interested to see the, uh, yeah, interested to see some comments. It feels like the ship's loads when you try and think of one, it's actually difficult to come up with a really good one. But it's just like, you know someone's going to come up with that. And then oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the new apps. It's the new world. I mean, uh, the future is amazing. Mm. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you very much for watching. Um, and we'll see you next week.